Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Vynamic, Trending Health explores industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Mindy McGrath. In today's episode, we're going to discuss a few recent newsworthy items we think healthcare leaders should be considering. I'm here with Vynamic's Ryan Hummel to talk about what's trending now. There's no shortage of headlines in the news. What headlines have you been following lately? CVS has won this bidding war to acquire Signify Health for a very healthy sum of $8 billion. And it's expected to close in the next few months or at least before the first half of 2023. And you and I have been following this pretty closely. CVS apparently beat out some other retail health companies, including Amazon and United Health Group's Optum Medical Care Provider business. Big, big competition here. So clearly, Signify Health was a very attractive acquisition as these other really big, large healthcare companies are trying to get involved into it. And in buying Signify Health, it is another sign that healthcare continues to move outside the hospital and traditional settings. And it's really doubling down on consumerism, which is something you and I have talked about for years. And in, in buying Signify Health, CVS is just become enormous, right? They have over 9,000 retail drug stores. There's a ton of minute clinics that are staffed by nurse practitioners. It's just, just an enormous network that is added with Signify's network of 10,000 doctors. And Signify focuses on this delivering care to patients at the home, which we know is a, is a trend that grows every single year. And health analysts have said that this gives CVS a stake in primary care as they evolve from this traditional pharmacy, as they acquired Aetna, to this large monoclonal healthcare company. I'm so intrigued by by this acquisition because it it is yet another piece of the puzzle that CVS is putting in place, right, to expand into a healthcare organization. And Signify was very attractive. As we knew, they garnered a lot of attention in this bidding process. And when you kind of lift the covers and think about what does Signify Health do differently, they obviously improve or aim to improve patient engagement, patient outcomes, care coordination for stakeholders across the healthcare system. There's a network that they utilize for these home-based visits to identify a patient's clinical and social needs and then connect them to the appropriate follow-up care and community-based resources in order for the patient to have a more connected, really effective care experience. I think what's interesting is when you look at the numbers and that Signify Health, their clinicians expect to connect with almost 2.5 million unique members in the home, both in person and virtually. And on average, they're spending about 2.5 times longer with a patient in the home than providers spend in the average primary care office visit. So I think that's part of what garnered so much attention around Signify Health during this process. As you mentioned, the amount of time that a lot of these providers are going to be spending with patients, I can just kind of feel the physician and nursing community think about that because that's something they've been very vocal about as we have kind of changed the paradigm of these quick visits that don't really give true holistic care to primary care patients. And while hospitals, as we know, 
are are the dominant force in the acute care space, right? And these specialized forms of care, you know, you don't see a lot of private companies going after that piece. There is this huge growing competition for primary care, which, you know, puts hospitals on the defensive because they need that primary care referral network. But it's hard to compete with these national chains that have this scale for primary care. And the CVS deal to buy Signify is just one of the latest moves. We had mentioned that Amazon was also in the running, but they just announced a $3.5 billion deal to provide another company we've talked about a lot on this podcast, One Medical, and that organization offers members in personal care. It's a very personalized approach and virtual care around the clock, 24-7, 365. So, you know, a lot of things happening in this primary care space, and, and we'll continue to see that as time goes on. If the CVS news wasn't headlines enough, I mean, then you have their competitor, uh, one of their competitors, Walmart, right, enlisting the help of United Health Group in signing a 10-year value-based care partnership, which also was kind of the headline that I have been following because it's almost like these titans are just duking it out in the marketplace, right? And so it's kind of like a game of checkers where one one entity makes a move and then another one's making a move. So when I think about why this is important, Ryan, you look at Walmart and the word that comes top of mind for me when I think about Walmart is affordability. And that is one of the key goals that the organization has outlined when it comes to their healthcare services. So this partnership aims to drive value-based care adoption for Walmart's clinicians as well as launch a new Medicare Advantage plan. And with 90% of the population living within a 10-mile radius of a Walmart, this partnership is in a really unique position to provide value-based health and wellness services to all Americans, as was outlined by the announcement. So I expect that what we're going to see is, is this partnership reaching hundreds of thousands of Medicare Advantage members, and that that is the goal that that kind of set the trajectory for this partnership to actually take shape. Yeah, you know, in every sector, we're seeing this race and this competition for Medicare Advantage and to take advantage of that population, excuse the pun, but the Titans are fighting for this sect of Americans and the retailers are facing stiff competition from other national pharmacy chains. You think about CVS Health that we just talked about. We talked about Walmart, but there's also news about Walgreens, kind of the third uh, leg of this. They're planning to open 200 co-branded primary care clinics with their partner, Village MD, which just completed a huge acquisition of CareCentrics at the end of, of August. So if you think about kind of the history of these retail health clinics getting into primary care, it's it's been about you know 10 to 20 years all three of them have been dabbling a little bit in this and trying to build their own world when it comes to primary care at retail health. And they have these um, incredible locations across the country, probably better suited than any other companies in the in the country. Um, but now it's getting real. They're 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 bolstering their 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 competencies with these massive acquisitions with companies that are doing it well. I think they realize that what they do have going for them is the location, location, location. But there's these other companies that we mentioned, you know, Signify, Village MD, even CareCentrics from a technology platform perspective that have done it better. So they're acquiring these big companies. And we're just going to continue to watch it. It's going to be great to see. Ryan, you just brought up a really interesting point. The one thing that we have not seen is acquisitions of large integrated delivery networks, right? Or very large provider networks, because you think about the overhead associated with that. 
these organizations, Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, are all acquiring smaller, more nimble, and in some ways virtual types of entities. So I think it's just interesting to see how they are expanding their healthcare services into so many different distribution channels. And I'm not sure what this means in terms of the competitive landscape for large health systems, because we do know that that acute care is still going to happen in the hospital. But I do think like you have to start to look at the, the shape of how the market is changing. And if you're a provider, maybe question, like, who are my competitors really? And do you have to start to contend with the Walmarts and Walgreens and CVS Health of the world? There is still a lot of concern from the provider community that really does focus on the continuity of care and making sure that they are understanding the entire patient journey because we're all complex uh, cases. So, you know, there's always been this issue with these retail private health companies fragmenting the care. If you have an episodic issue or a primary care issue, but then you have to go to the health system or the IDN or the hospital for these complex procedures, it's very hard to take that data and that information and combine it into help making decisions for the patient and on behalf of the patient. So, you know, I feel like I had to say that although it's interesting to see objectively, it's also more complex than we think. Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I do think access can be such an issue with these large health systems, though, because we're talking about retail entities that have bricks and mortar businesses and are maybe making it easier, perhaps easier to access care when needed. There's a convenience factor there. I think that what that really signifies, though, is that clearly these organizations see opportunity Right, to tap into this, this growing desire that consumers have to be able to access care when they want, how they want, and be met where they want to be met. And that doesn't always happen with health systems. So it just feels like there's a lot of friction right now in terms of where this all ends up for patients. And patients should be in charge of their own journey, right? But I, I think your points are so valid that health systems still play a role, especially when it comes to complex care delivery. But I do think that this is like, I don't know if it's cherry picking, but I do think what we're seeing right now is that retail pharmacies are no longer retail pharmacies. I mean, they really are becoming healthcare organizations and are going to offer competitive services. So we talked a lot about retail health and some of the Medicare Advantage programs. I think it's interesting, maybe we, we flip the script a little bit and talk a little bit about the news around Medicaid that has uh, hit the news lately. And if you recall, during the Trump administration, there was some rulings on how non-citizens don't get the health benefits, including Medicaid. The DHS just recently, Mindy, reversed the Trump-era public charge immigration health care rule, and the Biden administration issued a final rule that ensures non-citizens who get health benefits, including Medicaid, will not be affected regarding their legal status. And when I say DHS, that's run by the Department of Homeland Security. They released this just recently, and that we're no longer rejecting green cards or visa applications for someone using programs like Medicaid. And it's interesting because you and I talked about this offline, but you think about Medicaid and how important it is to 
the United States, you think about the economy of the United States right now, and unemployment is super low. Conventional wisdom would tell you that Medicaid enrollees would be down, but Medicaid, following a period of enrollment declines up and until 2019, we've really seen an accelerated enrollment pattern, and it's up 25%. And there's something like 16.7 enrollees that just from the last two years. Well, I think that, that the point is that Medicaid has remained stubbornly high, and even though the previous administration released this rule and it was later reversed by the Biden administration because experts had warned that the rule would have a very chilling effect on immigration health care. So I think you, you outlined, right, that the reason why this is important is that people who qualify for Medicaid and the Children's Health Insurance Program and other health programs can receive the care they need without fear of jeopardizing their immigration status. And it applies to any non-citizen who wants to enter the U.S. or apply for permanent residence, like a green card, from within the country. So this may not be top headline news, but it is public health news. And Medicaid is one of the largest insurance coverage programs that we have in this country. And so I thought it was interesting news because it's not the one that stands out, but it does have an impact on many individuals that will rely on Medicaid to access care when they need it. Yeah, I mean, if you think about that rule that happened during the Trump administration, what it meant was there were adults and CHIP enrollees that were going to leave the program. And when you leave the program, you know, what happens when you get sick or need help? You know, we know this emergency departments get filled harm takes place, but care still does not stop. So costs go up. Again, this is kind of like the double click of the news that you and I follow, but it should be interesting to see how this connects with the overemployment that we have in the U.S. and how the supply of workers is is very low. And specifically in healthcare, there's a huge work shortage, and there's probably some sort of connection there with non-American immigrants coming in and helping fill those roles. Well, Ryan, as always, we know the only constant in the healthcare industry is change. And I can't wait to hear what we're talking about next month. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in this episode, subscribe to the Trending Health podcast and explore if Dynamic can help your company with ongoing healthcare industry change. Please visit TrendingHealth.com.